Please be seated. And if you would, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. There's an abbreviated portion of Proverbs 4 printed in the uh, outline that was distributed, but you'll need your Bibles open to get the entirety of it. And there's a short outline there at the end. Uh, Last Sunday, Tony... Pastor Tony continued his trek through the praise and prayer of Ephesians 1, and we were just astounded at the salvation that God has wrought for us in Christ Jesus and all the benefits that are ours. And and then Paul prays in verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. You know, today as we dive back into the book of Proverbs, what a perfect setup it is for us to get this spirit of wisdom by going to this book of wisdom. And that the focus today on the heart and the heart being enlightened, this is the gracious work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. This doesn't come by our IQ or our intelligence. This wisdom comes as the Holy Spirit applies the Word of God to our lives and it does us good. Proverbs 4 is probably one of the most important passages in the Old Testament, and in fact the whole Bible, on the subject of the heart and the heart's connection to all of our life. The critical connection between our hearts and the whole of our lives is spelled out and examined. The key verse that this chapter is built around is verse 23 that says, Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flows flows the springs of life. Follow along as I read now Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get wisdom. Get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I've taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of righteousness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, 
for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray together. Father, your word is such a wonderful, wonderful asset in our life. The one that we often take for granted and we don't value as we should. Lord, we thank you for this gift. The words of life that you have deposited for us in the scriptures. And the spirit that you have given us to indwell us and to illumine that word so that we can be changed. So that we can grow. So that our hearts can find life. Lord, I pray this morning as we examine your word that we would be encouraged in our pursuit of this life. That we would be challenged as we read your word. That we would be focused on guarding our heart and seeing the value of examining our lives. We pray that you would do this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but... I don't often like going to the doctor. Going to the doctor can seem like a chore, can seem like I just don't want to hear all the things that I have to do and what I have to be careful about and how I need to change my ways. But I remember when I turned 40, I decided that I was going to get more serious about my heart health. Uh, My dad had a major heart attack when he was 65, and every indication from my family history was that I needed to keep an eye on my heart health and get a screening early for any conditions that I didn't know about. I felt fine, but you know, heart conditions can creep up. They can arise without hardly any symptoms, so they need to be watched out for. So I signed up for a cardio scan. I think it was about $50 at the time, and it just involved a bunch of questions about my family history. It involved some simple tests like heart rate and blood pressure tests, and also a CT of my heart and the surrounding blood vessels. It was looking for things that I couldn't see on the outside. It was looking for the plaque that might be present inside my heart or the vessels surrounding my heart. Uh, On the outside, things could look fine, but if I didn't address what was on the inside, it could lead to a heart attack. Years ago, Uh, Janie had a heart issue that a doctor came across just during a normal physical that she was having. He noted a skip or a flutter, um, maybe it was an irregular heartbeat. And so this, again, didn't endanger her right then, but it was something that needed to be addressed, to to take a look at, to examine. And so she was given a take-home monitor that she had to wear for uh, days and weeks, I think, And it recorded the condition of her heart, like not a snapshot view, but more of a a movie view of what was going on with her heart so that she could get an accurate diagnosis of if there was a problem or not. And thankfully, it didn't lead to any problems being found. But again, a wise precaution, being careful, examining your heart. Why? Well, heart health is important, isn't it? I mean, it's about staying alive. If your heart is weakened, injured, or diseased, it's a matter of life and death. So heart problems and heart attacks 
are nothing that we should take lightly. So it is with our spiritual hearts. We have to be just as vigilant, and I would say even more vigilant, about our internal heart condition. We have all sorts of dangers from without and from within that are seeking to attack the health of our hearts, the world, the world system and its thinking, philosophies, and those attacks from without, our own flesh, our sinfulness that we need to fight against is one of the avenues for attack against our heart. The devil is constantly at war, spiritual warfare, seeking to damage our hearts because the issues of our life flow from it. It's the center. And as one translation says, above all else, guard your heart. Make this top priority. And so, since our hearts are the critical nerve center of everything in our lives, we must protect it. And we have to protect it from not just one heart attack, but constant attacks. So today through Proverbs 4, we're going to start by examining your family history and then establishing healthy habits and then getting a physical. I know, going to the doctor, not exciting, not fun for many of us. But it is so vital. It is so crucial that we do the work in examining our hearts. And God, by His grace, through His indwelling Holy Spirit, helps us in this process. You're not alone. This isn't a beat beat you over the head sermon. This isn't a sermon to encourage you to take seriously the heart that God's given you. So start by examining your family history. Your, Your family shapes your heart. But it doesn't dictate the condition of your heart. You see, in verses 1 through 4, it is the father giving instruction to his son. And in fact, recalling the instruction that he received when he was young. Hero sons, a father's instruction, be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, don't forsake my teaching. And then he says, when I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother... He taught me and said to me, and then here comes the proclamation. Here comes the instruction. We have three generations of wisdom. So parents. Parents, we're called to shepherd the hearts of our children. You know Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, there there are two truths that flow out of this verse. It's a promise that really cuts both ways. Good training leads generally to good results. And at the same time, bad training generally leads to bad results. However, this isn't true in an ultimate sense every time. In fact, you can't take all the credit if you think your your children turn out well. And you can't take all the blame when your children don't turn out the way that you hoped. You're an influencer. You're an encourager. You you shepherd and you disciple and you correct. But I've met many discouraged parents who, who wrongfully take the blame for the failures and mistakes of their children and blame themselves completely. My encouragement for you is to go to Jesus with your failures and know that he forgives. And by the way, that's an example to your children too, when they hear your humble confessions of your shortcomings and your failures, your sins, and His grace upon grace is given to us when we do fail. 
But you know the encouragement from Scripture, from Deuteronomy 6, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You see, the heart is the center of our family instruction in our upbringing. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command that today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children, that they shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. If God's word is constantly in our teaching, we're establishing a family history of God's word being at the center, the worship of God being part of our lives, part of our families. Psalm 78 is a a multi-generational psalm as well. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope on God, not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. This is the admonition to pass down the faith from generation to generation. Grandparents, boy, you can be such a great help to your children as they raise your grandchildren, their children. How do you do this? I think you can be a great example of faith, hope, and love for the Lord Jesus. They can see your faith and be encouraged by that. By your love and support instead of criticism and complaints. I I know it's difficult to hold your tongue when your kids aren't doing it the way that you want them to in raising their children. But give them love and support. Give them breaks. Maybe give them a little relief from their parenting. And especially when those grandchildren are young, give some relief and help. But even if you don't have a close relationship with your children or your grandchildren, maybe there's been conflict in the family, or maybe you're just at a distance from them, you can pray for them regularly, specifically for your children and for your grandchildren. They don't have to be present for you to take them before the throne of grace. Children, I think what's established here is you should not throw away what older generations are telling you just because you think it's outdated or irrelevant. Newer is not always better. Some of these established truths ought to be given a a sound hearing, especially when it's from the Word of God. So here we have looked at the family history. The family history is important in understanding and diagnosing what's going on in the heart to to safeguard against the heart attacks. But no matter what your family history is, whether you had godly parents or grandparents or you didn't, you know, there's no better time to start looking at your heart health than right now. To start with some heart, healthy heart habits. So let's look at establishing these healthy habits. And I think the passage, in a sense, gives us what is the diet, the exercise, and sleep necessary for us to maintain good heart health. The diet component is what you're taking in. I like how the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, 
God of hosts. Taking God's word in as if you were eating it, as you were consuming it. In verse 4, let your hearts hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do, turn, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. In this encouragement again and again to take the words. Take the words. And these father's words, these mother's words, need to be rooted in the word of God. Getting a steady diet of the word of God. Verse 7, the beginning of wisdom is this. Every time we hear that, we have to take note. The beginning of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. It's saying wisdom is theirs, is there for the taking. Go after it. Don't just let it sit. Don't be lazy and let it sit on the shelf. Pick it up. Consume it. Get it. Verse 8, prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, accept my words that your years of life may be many. A good diet. Make sure a diet of the word is in your regular routine. Feed on the word of God. Whatever plan or system that you're having, Stick with it, build upon it, grow in it, and then live it out. That's what the exercise component is, the actual doing of the word. You got an intake of the word through your diet, but that's to feed you, to strengthen you, to go out and live that word. Look at verse 11. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of righteousness. When you run, your step will not be hampered. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you will not stumble. It's that activity. Now that you've heard it, now that you've feasted on it, get out there and live it. Get out there and do it. Verse 14, be careful because there's the path of the wicked. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Don't go on it. Turn aside from it. Pass on. There's a kind of exercise that you don't want to stumble into. There's a way, a path that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to destruction. Watch where you're running. Watch where your exercise is taking you. What habits are you forming? What lifestyle choices are you making? These are all informing and increasing your character, who you are. But if you exercise and walk In the good paths, verse 18, the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. We want to be on that righteous path. We want to be living for God's glory and growing in the way that we live for him. Exercise your faith. Put it to work. Again, all of this flows from the gracious power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. This is a work of God's grace. We we don't exercise our faith. We don't live out our faith in order for God to love and accept us. We do this as a result of God's gracious work in our lives in the first place. So he fully empowers us for the exercise that he calls us to do, to live, to serve. We'll get good diet good exercise, and good sleep. Verse 16. For they cannot sleep unless they've done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. 
I mean, they're so, this is the wicked. Again, they are so devoted to wanting to do something that would trip somebody up. They're sleepless. They're pursuing it until they can get it. You know, sleeplessness sometimes comes on us because we have a conscience that is, is being weighed heavy upon. Um, sometimes we're sleepless because of the dangers and fears and, and worries that we have. Think of David in Psalm 3. Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I laid down, and I slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. You can have sweet sleep and rest as you understand and rest in the protection of your God. What is man? What can he do against me? Who is bigger than God that should make me sleepless and fearful? But if your sleeplessness reveals that you have a pained conscience and you have a sin that you need to confess, do it today. Don't wait. Ask forgiveness and then rest in that peace of conscience that is yours in Christ. Now, In verses 20 through 27, we're encouraged, in a sense, to get a physical. Uh, This is holding up God's word to our lives and then examining each part. It's David's prayer in Psalm 139, 23, to search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When you get a physical, you're checking out every part of that person. And these verses call us to check our lives thoroughly by mentioning four body parts. Your ears, your mouth, your eyes, and your feet. And those all connect with some part of our lives, some area of our lives that we need to just check out, like getting a good physical. Verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. What do we do with our ears? Well, we listen. Scripture says to be quick to listen and slow to speak. You know, when we fail to listen, we're foolish. Proverbs 18, so many times I've ran over this verse in my head as I'm listening to one person speak or another person speak and, and, and I hear one part of the story. Verse Proverbs 8.13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it's a folly and shame. And then later in verse 17, The one who states his case first seems right until the other one comes and examine him. Let's not make foolish assumptions. Let's not make false judgments. Deuteronomy 17 warns us, Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. It's so easy to jump to conclusions, to make assumptions, to see things that aren't there, and we need to guard ourselves from doing that. Deuteronomy 19.15 says, a lone witness is not sufficient to establish any wrongdoing or sin against a man, regardless of what offense he may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Take in carefully what you're seeing with your eyes. I came across a quote this week from Kevin DeYoung. 
He said, we can't trust everything we read on the internet. We can't trust everything we hear from our professors. We can't, we certainly can't trust all the facts given to us by politicians. We can't even trust the fact checkers to check those facts. Statistics can be manipulated. Photographs can be fake. Magazine covers can be airbrushed. Our teachers, our friends, our science, our studies, even our eyes can deceive us. But the word of God is entirely true and always true. Well, there it is. Uh, Keep going back to the word because the word will never lie. It always speaks truth. And are you listening? Are you listening to God's word more than you're listening to the voices around you? And then with your mouth. The mouth is what is checked next. It says, keep your heart. And in verse 24, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Oh, there's so much in the book of Proverbs and the the whole of Scripture about how we use our mouth to speak. But let's do an exam. Let's check. First, the Bible tells us that we should be using fewer words most often. Proverbs 10.19, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We should often use softer words. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We should often use commending words. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. We should use thoughtful words. Again, in Proverbs 15, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of wicked pours out evil things. Then, verse 23, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it? So your mouth, the words that are coming out of it, how are those words measuring up to the way that the Scripture says to use our words? Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are you using gracious words? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Imagine if you were wearing that monitor that my wife had to wear to check out her heart. And if part of this physical you were given to, to, to check on your ears, to check on your mouth, to check on your eyes and your feet, if that was running all the time, keeping track not only of what comes out of your mouth, but what goes on in your mind. Uh, consider the prayer in Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What about a check for our eyes? Again, in verse 25, we read, Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Follow your eyes. Your eyes tell a lot about what's going on in your heart. The eyes are a window to the heart. And our eyes must look on purity, not on lust. I love how uh, Job 31, 1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Be careful 
where your eyes go, on the internet, on television, in public. Keep your eyes looking straight ahead. Keep your eyes looking at the unseen and not simply the seen. When Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, as we look not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Oh, we get so bogged down and so fixated on the things that are seen in this life, the material and the physical, and we miss the whole world of the unseen, that we ought to be setting our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. Are you looking at the beauty of the earth, the world around you? Are you looking at the beauty of the word? Psalm 119, verse 18, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Is God's word wonderful to you? Do you see the beauty of it? And then have compassion with your eyes. Our eyes ought to affect, to project that we have a compassion, not that we are condescending to others. Do you remember in Luke 18, Jesus spoke a parable. And we're given a little introduction of who he spoke that parable to. And it says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this parable. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to pray. You so you see our our natural look is to look down on people around us. My question is are you looking to Jesus? That beatific vision, that final vision where we will see Jesus and be with him as he is in Revelation 22:3, no longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the lamb will be in it. His servants will worship him. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They'll need no light, no lamp or sun. The Lord God will be their light, and he will reign forever and ever. Are you looking for Jesus, for his return and for eternity with him? And what about your feet? Are you watching where your feet take you? In fact, where you go. Verse 26 and 27, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. You know, God wants us to examine where are we going? What kind of places are we we going to? How are we spending our time? Uh, The action of our lives is exemplified with our feet. What are you doing? How are you living it? Are you just sitting around or are you actually getting busy? Verse or in Joshua 22.5, I love this encouragement. Only be careful to observe the commandments of the law of Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you, to love your God with, and to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and to cling to him, to serve him with all of your heart, with all of your soul. You see, your heart gets reflected in the what you do with your life, the way that you walk, the way that you conduct yourself, the places you go, the things you do. And so the psalmist says in Psalm 119.12, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes. It's just simply living out of our hearts. What grace, what salvation, what forgiveness, what love has been poured into our hearts because of Christ, because of our salvation. And that changes the whole focus of our lives. The, The things that we hear, the things that we say, the things that we look at, the things that we do, and the way that we conduct ourselves. A summary 
of this physical is be careful not to walk in the ways and to live in the ways that God has warned us of. Guard your heart. I think some of the most dangerous advice and the most damaging advice that we could ever get comes from Disney. And let me tell you what I mean by this. It's every Disney story ever made. The stories in and of themselves are okay, but the the moral or the message every time seems to just say, follow your heart. Just follow your heart. It's said, it's sung, it's driven into our heads that somehow there is virtue, there is wisdom in just following your heart, just going with your heart. And and what that often points to is that let your emotions lead us. Well, our emotions are part of our heart. Our intellect is part of our heart. Our will or volition is part of our heart. And they all work together in concert as we see throughout Scripture. The problem with following your heart is that we are never called in Scripture to follow our heart. We're called to guard our heart. Don't follow it. Guard it. Protect it. From those messages that don't square with God's Word, we have to protect it from heart attacks. Examine your family history a little bit today. Establish some healthy habits. But wherever you're at now, just seek to improve them and get a physical. Check those parts with how the Word of God describes how we should be living. Don't follow your heart. Follow Jesus. As the author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that you are at work in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, that you have saved us and rescued us. You are saving us by grace through faith, and it's not of ourselves. It's not of works, otherwise we could boast in us. But Lord, you are have created us as your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You prepared them before us that we should walk in them. Lord, we pray that you would help us to follow your word and to, with all vigilance and above all else, to guard our hearts. We pray that you would do this for your glory, for your honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of response is uh, printed before you or on the screen. Take my life and let let it be.